I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, welcome along to a brand new episode of Writer's Routine, where this week we're chatting to Jane L. Rosen. Jane's new novel is On Fire Island. We talk about her tips for capturing a perfect sense of place when writing. Also, how she turned a screenplay into a novel by switching the view. And you can hear the only thing that she's thinking when she starts. Just write. Just write what's in your head. Let it out. It's your first draft. If you get stuck on a word, or if I get stuck on a word, I just write a few X's and I keep moving. I don't, in that first draft, I don't even worry about word choice. It's all about polishing and rewriting for me. It's all on the way with Jane L. Rosen in this week's Writer's Routine. Welcome along to the show. My name is Dan Simpson. This is Writer's Routine, where we take a look through an author's working day. And for this week, for the last time in a little while, it's your chance to make the most of our deal with Plotter, who are supporting the show. Plotter is a fantastic writing tool. It doesn't matter if you're a pantser or if you're a plotter with Plotter. The tool can help you out. It can help you take whatever idea you have and expand it, grow it, tweak it, change it, and always keep track of it. If you're a pantser and you really do sit down without much of an idea and start typing away, well, it's brilliant for helping with that because it's got over 30 proven plot templates on there that can just nudge you in a direction. Tried and tested methods from some of the most fantastic authors around. If you're an incredibly thorough plotter and you know exactly what's going to happen, but sometimes keeping track of it is the trickiest part, well, Plotter really helps out with that. It's got a digital corkboard on there. It's like taking a notebook with you all the time, but something you can really easily access. You can colour code, you can chart, you can keep track. So if you lift, if you move, if you tweet, you're not affecting anything greater and grander. And that's what Plotter does. In the simplest way, it's a writing tool that lets you track all of your details and switch and swap and use them however you want. It helps you strip back to what is important and what you need to focus on. And the best way for you to get involved and the best way for you to see what it does and how useful it can be is to take a look at go.plotter.com slash routine and take a look around while you're there. You can get 10% off the software with this show. They are sponsoring us really just till the end of the year. So make the most of that. To get that deal, use the code is in the episode notes of this show. Use it while you can. Get to go.plotter.com slash routine. So Merry Christmas to you then. Happy holidays. 
whatever, however you're celebrating. I hope you have a brilliant break and you manage to take some time off writing or working or finding time to write, whatever is going on. I hope you really make the most of it and have a fantastic time. Thank you so much for listening for being with the show and supporting us through 2023 Uh, this week last episode of the year we're chatting to jane l rosen and jane is busy writing screenplays and editorials and columns and novels published a few in the past too nine women one dress eliza starts a rumor shoe story her newest novel is called on fire island it's all about julia a book lover that lives on fire island in new york who well spoiler alert dies and then Julia follows the different lives of those that she loves and the ripples that her life and her passing affects them. Now, this is more or less a summer read, really, but it's got a, it's got a touch of It's a Wonderful Life in it. So that works for Christmas. I think we'll get by. I think we'll sneak this in. Jane spends her time between New York City and Fire Island, just off Long Island, and does manage to beautifully capture that sense of place in her stories You can hear how she does it, the tricks that she uses to properly evoke wherever she is placing herself and you. Also, we chat about the balance of writing and promoting the book, that constant, necessary and incredibly lucky problem to have. When you've published a few novels, you've always got to have some books in your mind at the same time, the one that you are writing, the ones that you just wrote and maybe ones that you wrote in the past that you're still talking about. And promoting a book is in 2023 and 2024 now uh, so much of a, a writer's responsibility where it didn't used to be in the past so it's it's a lucky problem to have but it is a problem and a time-consuming one at that how does jane work her way around it also you can hear why she's thinking of making a big technical change now talking of a sense of place jane was in her home when we chatted And uh, my word, you can hear loud, loud New York City all around her. So just keep that in mind. And we get into it, as we always do, with Jane Elrose and chatting through what she sees around her in the place where she sits down to write. Well, I am lucky, as can be, that I see the Brooklyn Bridge, which is a huge inspiration because I often write about New York. And uh, it's such a romantic Play, you know, romantic thing to look at the Brooklyn Bridge. It's old, it's beautiful, it's New York, and it's right out my window. So, is this in? What about the room where you're writing? So, are you in a are you in a study? Do you write in your like living room area? What's the deal? I write in my living room area. I used to write in bed, but I was told that is a big no no. Worse than cigarettes and salami and diet coke and all the other bad things that they say are killing us is writing in bed or staying in bed all day. So that's no good anymore. And I've moved to the living room, a little desk by the window. I I know that some people have a little struggle with like changes of any sort to how they write. How was the big move from the study to the living room for you? It was a move. It was definitely hard. Um, But you can't like, you're not supposed to work in your where you sleep and you know all of those things that come into play but you know i could really write anywhere i could write on the subway actually so i wasn't that worried about it and living a a living room is is more of a family space right it's hard to make it purposeful for what you're writing i don't know have you tried to tweak it have you got well we live in new york city so there's not that much room in, in an apartment but mine is 
roomy enough and my husband has been working at home a lot from COVID so he's kind of in the office because he needs privacy more than I do and my kids are all out of the house so I put a cute little old wooden desk in the corner by the window some books around me and I'm good to go is there anything that reminds you of what you're there to do with your kind of books around you I'm talking is there plot points is there post-it notes scribbles on notepads somewhere that just let you know what it is you're writing about No, there are not. I'm really just focused on the screen, on the writing. I have extensive notes on my iPhone when I come up with little things that inspire or, um, you know, I want to put into a novel. But I don't really use use a lot of visuals like some people do. I know people have a big pin up in front of them with all different pictures of what they're writing, where they're writing, all the places. I don't do any of that. I just it's all in my head. You mentioned uh, looking out at the Brooklyn Bridge is quite inspirational for you. And the new novel on Fire Island is obviously inspired by a certain setting as well. How, I guess, how how tangible is being inspired by a physical place? Like, what is it about an area that inspires you to write about it? I think it comes down to, like, love. I think when you love a place and you write about it, it comes out on the pages. So, for example... I love New York, right? And (laughs) I came here right after college, and I still have the ability to see it through those new eyes, those fresh eyes, or to remember how I felt when I first said, wow, I am living here. And I think that places really inspire. Even in my last book, On Fire Island, there's a chapter set in Sicily. Why? Because I went to Sicily and fell in love with it. So I think that's how it works for me. How difficult is it to kind of take that emotion, take that love, take the memories you have of a, an island that you visited and to actually accurately like portray that in words? It's not difficult at all if you really know it. And as the case is with Fire Island or Manhattan, those islands. But Sicily, I knew that I was going to put it in this book when I was there. So I jotted down notes as I went through of things that really struck me as being just Sicily or romantic in any way or charming in any way. And I just took notes the whole time on that. Uh, So what was it about Sicily more than many that thought, well, I've got to put this in a book then? I think it was timing. I think it was, that was the book I was working on. Um, When I was in Sicily, my dad My dad passed away when I was 11 years old, and he was in the invasions of Sicily, Salerno, and Normandy. And when we went to Sicily, we went to the place, Licata, where he supposedly landed with the Coast Guard. And I think that kind of affected why I was writing. Like, I wrote a little bit of a story about a similar person to my dad landing in Sicily during World War II inside of the Fire Island book. So I think that was part of my interest in Sicily, was my, that my dad was there. We get quite, I guess, nerdy on the show. Like, we're really into technology and what you're writing on. So let me pop you back in your living room under man under Brooklyn Bridge. You've got your little desk set up. Like what are you writing on? Is it a laptop? What software are you writing with? And and uh what font, what typeface do you write with, Jane? 
I write with Times Regular. I write on my iPad. I may be changing that. And I may go back to a laptop, toying with the idea. Um, I use regular Word. Sometimes I check everything in pro writing because I'm not the best at grammar. And my three daughters who are the best have moved out. So I need to go into the world of the computer to ask if a comma belongs here or not. And um, that's how I do it. Well, I, t- I tell you what. You, you might think that's something we can gloss over, but that's a big discussion point around here. The idea that you might move away from writing on an iPad to a laptop, what's kind of provoking that choice? I'm happy with my iPad, but according to my husband, who's more technically savvy than I am, there are things that I cannot do because I'm on the iPad. And um, I'm not sure what I'm going to do yet. I'm really not. I, this iPad to me is so comfortable and I could take it, throw it in my backpack and write anywhere. As you know, I go back and forth from New York to Fire Island. It's just very simple to have my story with me all the time. So I don't know if I'm going to make the, the jump or not. Well, I mean, it would seem to me that if what you're doing is writing novels and you can write a novel on the iPad and you're comfortable with it, why would you change? Um, because there's a lot of times where I do interviews and things like that, and I can't get on on the iPad. So the, those kind of things are so much more involved in writing than just writing. Nowadays, at least, I mean, the marketing and the, you know, book talks and book clubs and all these different things. The iPad doesn't always satisfy that, and it becomes difficult for me. So if I could find, like, one thing that would do both, it would probably be better. Well, I'm... Well, let's touch on that, right, as as an author. And I'm aware you're on a writing podcast right now, so this is new media. But there's so much more pressure on you as an author to sell your own books than I think there has ever been before. Yeah, There are podcasts, there are Instagram Lives, there's blog tours, there's other things that you've got to write simply to try and get eyes on the novel that you've written. Whereas I'm unsure if that was the case, say, 40 years ago when – Perhaps it was more of a uh, the responsibility of a publisher. How do you feel about that responsibility now that's on you, that there's all this work you've got to do that sells your book and it's good, but it does take you away from actually writing the things, which is what you want to do? Yeah, I, I have a lot of feelings about it, actually. Um, I really do enjoy speaking to readers Like last night, I drove an hour outside the city to a place in New Jersey, and I spoke to this UJA group, and there were about 60 women there, and they all had read On Fire Island, and it was a great experience, and I loved it. And it being out and about like that brings about other ideas, of course. I even got the idea for Eliza Starts a Rumor at that exact book talk that I did a few years back. So... It's great to be out and about to talk to your readers. That being said, I'm an extrovert and many writers are introverts. And I don't know how they handle this completely different role that you're thrown into, you know, which is public speaking and being witty and being off the cuff and answering questions right, you know, as they come in. And I don't I mean, I'm okay with it, but. It does take me away from my writing. I often wonder if it's, you know, beneficial. 
but I do love talking to my readers. So it is beneficial that way, no matter what. And I think when you speak to people and people hear your voice and you get to talk about your work, it, it makes a long lasting relationship as opposed to, oh, I just read one of her books and I liked it. You know, it makes someone continue with you more, which is great. Yeah, I think that's a good way of thinking about it, creating that personal touch where they feel they know you. So they're almost looking out for you and willing you to succeed if they like you. So they're going to buy more of your books. At least that's the hope. Yes. That sounds kind of, you know, crass, but it's the truth. You know, I, I, I love talking to readers and yes, of course, I wish they would buy all my books. Okay. So if I'm just, I'm in the first draft is for me, the first draft is different than other drafts. My first draft, I, I really just hunker down, get up 7.30, let's say. My husband drinks me coffee, which is so lovely, and I just go to it, and I write for many, many hours. When I get to further drafts where I'm editing and rewriting, sometimes I like noise. It helps me to think somehow. I figured it out when I was writing Eliza Starts a Rumor, and I couldn't figure something out. I was getting my hair blown out. There was rap music playing. The person who was blowing my hair out was talking to me nonstop. The blow dryer was blowing. And there was a romantic comedy on the telly in front of me. So I, and I came up with a solution for something that I had been struggling with. And I realized like quiet isn't always the best when you have to figure something very detailed out. Just like when you're trying to think of a name of something, and people say, don't think about it and it'll come to you. That's kind of how it works for me when I'm writing. <laughs> Things that are tricky like that. So it's like kind of quiet for the first draft and anything goes for the rest. So my basic routine is get up, write for a bit. Sometimes I exercise, go to the gym, come back, eat, write. Then I do my personal stuff, whatever, marketing go about my day hopefully have a fun night when i'm editing i like to get out of the house and i take my ipad and i sit down somewhere coffee shop even the new york public library sometimes and i get to work somewhere else not in my house let's just mine a day um writing your first draft for a second you said you'll you'll wake up 7 30 you'll write and then you might take a break then you write and then you might go and exercise and then you'll write and then you'll you'll, you'll kind of do the admin after that um what tracks what what um dictates rather uh, how long you're writing for is is there is it just energy is it what mood you're in is there a, a word count that you want to reach well okay it depends what stage i'm in like let's say the book is due next week well then that's that's it you know i'm writing till i can't open my clothes you know keep my eyes open but generally it's energy i kind of know when i hit the point that okay this is not coming out so great anymore. I should stop and just pick it up again tomorrow. Um, but I, I write for hours and hours. It's a job for me. You know, I could write for six hours straight with, you know, just standing up and sitting down and taking breaks. Um, yeah, it all depends on what stage of the book I'm in. It really does. And sometimes things flow very quickly. And I could be, as I said, on the subway. And if that's going through my head, I'll just whip out my phone, pull up the notes and... I've written whole chapters on my notes in my phone because if it's coming to you, it's coming to you. There's no reason to wait for you know you to be sitting at your desk. Uh, we sometimes 
we debate the quality of words, right, in a first draft. So, so if it is coming to you, are you at all uh, filtering it? Uh, are you trying to make sure what you're writing is how it might end up? Do you want to be a perfectionist first time around, or are you just perfectly happy to crack on? Absolutely not in terms of perfectionism the first round. It's like my biggest words of advice. Just write. Just write what's in your head. Let it out. It's your first draft. If you get stuck on a word or if I get stuck on a word, I just write a few X's and I keep moving. I don't, in that first draft, I don't even worry about word choice. It's all about polishing and rewriting for me and getting to the end. Once you get to the end of the first draft, then your first your work really kind of begins. And when you plonk yourself in your chair 7.30 in the morning because you can't sit in bed anymore to do it, uh, have you any idea of what you're getting done that day? How, how thorough an idea do you have of, all right, it's a Tuesday, here's what I'm getting done, here's where I would like to be come the end? No, I don't. I really just push forward and sink into it and I don't think much about word count. I know people do that. They put you know, timers on or word count limits that they're going to achieve by the end of the day. I don't do any of that. Some days I run through something so quickly and I could have written two chapters in a day, which is a lot. Some days it takes me an hour to write a page, two hours to write a page. And then do you you have any hangups about the difference between those at all? Um... That's a good question. I don't know the answer to that. Like, I don't know which ends up being a better page, you know, the ones that just flow out of you or the ones that you really kind of suffered over. It depends. It just depends. I don't have a real opinion on it. What about the ge- What about the general plot, though? So um, before you start writing anything, anything at all, before you start writing a book, how much do you like, and we'll get on to On Fire Island in just a second, how much do you like to know about the entire story before you start typing the first sentence? Well, this is what I do. I take index cards and I try and map out the entire book, start to finish. I do it kind of like on the floor, every chapter, you know, of the entire book. Like I could have 32 index cards and I work on what goes where and all of that. And then I look at it and I say, I have a book. You know, I have a whole book here. And then I pack them up and I basically barely ever look at them again. Because once I get it in my head and I know I have the beginning, the middle and the end for each character, for each, you know, arc, then I feel I'm good to go. And I just write. And, and how often uh, do, 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 does your final copy that end up staying quite close to the initial cards that you wrote down that very first idea it's close in in basic theory but when you write things surprise you all along and change and and you get to the sometimes you get to the end and you're like wow this could happen and you put it in so the basics you know girl meets boy but if it's a rom-com mm-hmm girl meets boy they fall in love they have something that keeps them apart they get back together or whatever it is those basics of the story remain the same but the story by no means does the story remain the intricacies do not remain the same they come along as i'm writing as and the humor also comes along as i'm writing 
do, when they do come along, do they feel? Can you almost feel yourself being slightly dragged away from the initial plan you have, or do, at that stage, is it perfectly natural? Whatever the character wants to do, it's not really away from the plan. It's just more like added, like. It's like added spice, you know? Like if you were baking something and you decided, oh, I'm going to throw these everything bagel crumbs all over it. That's kind of what it is. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Back with more from Jane in just a second. Now, thank you so much for listening to the show and for being with us and for sharing and following and all of that through 2023. Um, we've got a big 2024 planned. I hope you'll stick around for that. And I hope you will help us make that happen by supporting us over on Patreon, by getting to patreon.com forward slash writers routine. There's a lot there that you can make the most of. There is merch. There is bonus episodes and content. There is even a way for your book to sponsor this show. Uh, and I've got a, a video book review that's gone on there. Uh, a vlog. Uh, yeah. And uh, there's going to be more of those in the next coming months or so. Just letting you know what I'm up to and what I'm reading. Nothing's that current. <laughs> You see my to be read pile. I think it stretches about five years into the past. So what I think is the hottest book is probably something that you've already read. But you can see what I feel about it uh, with the book reviews that are going on our Patreon page. Really means a lot. It just helps us carry on bringing you these chats as often as we can with the best authors around. It's just me. It's a one man team. It will still be that through 2024 and every little helps. So whatever you can contribute goes an extraordinarily long way. And I really appreciate that around Christmas time over at patreon.com forward slash writers routine. Let's get back into it then with Jane L. Rosen chatting about her new novel on Fire Island. It's all about Julia, a book lover that lives on Fire Island in New York, whose well, her story ends quite abruptly. And then we follow the different lives of those that she loves and the ripple that her life has on theirs. Now, in this half, we chat about how she turned a screenplay into a novel by switching the view. Also hear about what she's learned in her busy, busy writing career and how she tweaks and changes things. And we get back into it, chatting through her path to publication. I was a screenwriter before I was a novelist. And I wrote a screenplay of On Fire Island. 
I put it aside. It was it was with Harvey Weinstein when everything imploded there. And I put it aside and I wrote three novels because the story on Fire Island means so much to me that I didn't want to write it first. I kind of wanted to practice a little and get my bearings as a novelist. And also I had other stories that I was excited about tackling, new, fresh ideas. So when I went to write on Fire Island, I had a 90-page script filled with dialogue and characters that already existed. So the path to writing the book was very different. I took it, the book was about three men, the three men that are in on Fire Island, and my editor asked me to make it more feminine. So I I took it and narrated the book by one of the men's wives who had just recently passed away. So the na- the narrator of a dead female, basically, 37-year-old, made everything in the book seen through a feminine eye, and it changed a lot of the way the story unfolded, meaning the perspective, you know, was different. How difficult was it tapping into that perspective? I mean, obviously not tremendously hard to find a feminine angle on things, but more because you've, you know this story through a man's eye and now you've got to tweak it completely. Uh, how was that process? It was great, actually. I, um, very sadly, my sister passed away at 39 years old. So I had a lot of perspective on what that felt like um, from her end, you know, from speaking to her because she had cancer. So from speaking to her, someone of that age who knew she was going to pass away, um, I had a lot of insight. And creating Julia, the character, was enjoyable. I decided I was going to have her be okay with it, okay with dying, you know, okay with moving on to the next realm of life. She's not a ghost kind of character in the book. Not a big fan of that, but she's more like a spirit. And um, I enjoyed it. I took a class with with a rabbi in London, actually, called um, The Jewish Afterlife. And I learned a ton. It was a six-week class on Zoom. And it was a great experience. I took everything I learned from that. I spoke to a medium. And I took everything from that. And I wrote Julia. And I, I really enjoyed it, actually. It was hard. At the time, it was hard because I needed to get it right because this book means so much to me. That's why it was hard not writing Julia, but not ruining the story by writing Julia, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What was the was there a moment when you felt like you had cracked it? Not that it became easier, but you you understood Julia's voice a a lot more, which allowed you to do this. I understood her voice the whole time. There were many moments where it was difficult because you're writing from this woman's perspective, but that makes it difficult because you could only really write what she knows or sees or understands, right? You can't be jumping from one head to another. So it was complicated. My husband plays ball. I play ball also, but the baseball field is, is right near my house. And sitting there watching the men play ball and listening to their banter I knew that these are characters in a book right or in a movie at the time it was a movie so um, that you know that kind of thing and then there was this one day where a man walked 
up to me in front of my house and he said, oh, that's Joe Blow's house. And he was referring to the previous owner that hadn't lived there in like 20 years. And I laughed and thought, I said, no, it's my house. I've been living here for 20 years. And he's like, oh, I didn't notice you. And it just, I said, wow, this place is just nuts. And someone has to write a book about it. And in the book, you'll, you know, it's, there's a character named Shep and he's living in Ben's house and it's because he used to live there. And it's that little interaction just made me think this place is so unusual and filled with such quirky people. What, what story am I going to tell? You mentioned the the cue cards earlier. Uh, I guess how do we get how how do you get to that point? So you've got this initial idea of the house and who lives there, and and a, a strange story that just comes from that one question. What are you doing to get to the point where you can lay out thirty cue cards on your floor that have a different chapter in them each? Okay, so if we take this story. What am I doing? I'm first ruminating about each person. Once I start the idea in my head, I think about it. Thinking is, you know, nine-tenths of writing. I think and I think and I think until I, I have a story for each person. And I'll write notes down in my phone because, I, you know, I also forget. So I'll say, you know, what's, what's going to happen to Ben? What's going to happen to Maddie? And there'll be a note, Ben, a note, Maddie, a note, Shep. And I'll keep taking notes under those three categories until I feel, wow, I have Maddie's story. I have Ben's story. I have Shep's story. I'm ready to write my cards. Now, when I wrote Fire Island as a book, it was much different, right? I didn't write any cards. I already had this whole map, this amazing map. And I took the script and I added pages here's where I'll put this here's where I'll put that you know and then I wrote it through Julia's eyes but my editor also wanted me to add another female best friend so that was something that I sneaked in where am I gonna her name is Renee where am I gonna put Renee in what's Renee's story gonna be how is her story going to interest readers and balance with her with you know the other stories so that was interesting I really Renee was always Maddie's mom in this book, but I gave her so much more from the screenplay to the book. Uh, how consciously do you make decisions about how to actually write? And now l- let me just kind of give you an example of what I mean here. So I I do this podcast, right? And I know what makes a podcast hopefully sound good, like choices that I'm making with uh, questions I'm asking or stuff that I'm doing outside of it in the intro or with the music that I'm using. So they are conscious choices of what I do that make it sound okay. So when you're writing, how consciously are you doing things that you know is good writing, if that question makes any sense at all? Well, if the way I see this question, my answer, I'll see if it's correct for that I'm seeing your question, right? Um, or hearing it. I write like a screenwriter. I visually see the scene in my head play out and then I put it on the paper. That's the way it works for me because I was trained as a screenwriter because I wrote so many scripts before I ever attempted to write a novel. I see things very visually and 
I'm very much of that school. Like when you're writing a screenplay, they say, we don't need to see the man get out of his car and walk up to the door. We could start right when he's knocking on the door. And I, I write that way, even in a novel. You know, I, I get them to where they have to go, maybe a little quicker. Often my editors will say, could you describe the room, please? Like, because I'll skip over that part, because that part was never necessary. Someone else was doing the room when you write a movie. You know, not it's not your job. So, I don't know if I answered the question. No, you did, you did, you did. How much does that influence the, the language, the words that you're using on the page? I think in the first draft... It helps me because I get from A to B quicker. And that's a great thing because, as I said, the polishing and the editing is more important to me on the second draft. So I think for that first draft where you want to just understand the story and get the plot points down and have everyone's arc succeed and be fulfilling, it's a great way to write. Because once you get over the middle hump of writing a book, you you could take a deep breath and realize, wow. It's there. I see that the finish line is in my sight. And it just is a great release and a a great uh, feeling that you you know you're going to get to the end. And anything else you have to do afterwards, you're starting at the beginning and moving forward. I do often, I did tell a little fib, I do look back often at what I wrote the day before so that I know where I am and I... When I'm doing that, I do polish it a little. You know what I'm saying? I do take like a step back, polish it while I'm just casually reading it. If something seems off, and then I go on to my next chapter. You, you spoke about the middle hump there, um, the, the saggy middle. And uh, your four books, four published books in now anyway. Um, does it ever get any easier? Still trying to sift through 40,000 words of the point? No, not really. Um, I'm always like surprised that I made it to the middle. And I think it always is a little treacherous. You have this terrible feeling like, oh no, like what if I'm done with my story and it's only 40,000 words, you know? that's never happened to me. I think, again, my screenwriting training, really, that three-act structure that I learned in screenwriting helps me not have that, not get to the point where I'm like, oh, the book is way too short. You know what I mean? It helps me. It's the beginning, it's the long middle, and it's the small end, and it's, it's, you know, it's a great map for a book. Uh, And also, you mentioned... Uh, that your editors and uh, publishers have said, well, could you describe this room for me, please? Because your character has just ended up here and they've raced through. Um, like, as... as Because no one's ever the finished product as a writer, right? So as as you move on, like, how much are you trying to take advice on board and kind of change it as you do it first go around? Or are you just perfectly happy with the way that you're doing things, which is great? Oh, no, I'm not. I, I'm very, I always really look forward to someone else's eyes. I'm a big proponent of like someone else reading my work, telling me where it's lacking. And I know that while I'm writing it. I know this isn't the last draft. I know my editor's brilliant. And I know she's going to come in and say, this needs to be fluffed up. This needs to be removed. And what do you think about this person? And why don't we see her more or whatever? You know, those kind of notes. 
um, yeah, I love, I mean, I wait with bated breath to hear that. And I love the challenge of implementing whatever it is she's, you know, thought should happen. And that is it for this week's Writer's Routine with Jane L. Rosen. Thank you so much to Jane for coming on the show. The new book is On Fire Island and it is out right now. She's got a brand new book coming out in 2024 too. And that is it for the podcast this year. Thank you so much uh, for spending some time with me, more or less, every week. You can support us, patreon.com forward slash writer's routine. Also make the most of that plotter deal while you can. Get to go.plotter.com slash routine. They are sponsoring this show for just a few more weeks. Get 10% off using the code that is in the episode notes wherever you're listening and I will see you with more big authors with fantastic stories and brilliant stories behind their stories uh, in 2024 have a fantastic holiday season Christmas New Year and I'll see you in 2024 until then bye are on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns